Well, howdy y'all. Welcome to the back porch again, and welcome, welcome, welcome to Once Upon a Time in Texas, episode number 33. <clears throat> Man, sakes alive, I cannot believe I've been doing this for 33 weeks. That's a whole lot of material, a whole lot of knowledge bombs been dropping on y'all, I guess. Well, listen, I'm your host, Mike Mitchell, um, head bottle washer, cleaner, mechanic, um, pretty much all of the above. And uh, if you are new to the podcast, which I've noticed we've had some new people looking at it, um, you'll notice this is just an absolutely raw podcast. I don't really do any editing, don't add in any music, uh, pretty much what you hear is what you get. So uh, hope you enjoy it. It's just me talking uh, about some interesting stuff that I find. So, the 1960s, well, and really even the 50s too, um, were kind of a wild time for nuclear weapons. But did you know there was a nuclear explosion in San Antonio, Texas? Um, I did not. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. And it's pretty much almost been hidden or forgotten about. Yeah. Yeah. Like, they tried to cover it up. It's put out there uh, now. Um, I heard about it from a friend, which I'll talk about here in a minute. Uh, and Texas Monthly put out a story about it. And it's really an interesting read. So, uh, yeah, nuclear explosions in San Antonio. We're also going to hit just a moment uh, on a friend of mine um, who's also made it into Texas Monthly. I like to call him the knife-wielding school superintendent. <laughs> he may hate that moniker. He might like it. I don't know. But we're going to talk about this knife-wielding um, school superintendent um, here in just a bit. But before we jump into this, I want to thank our sponsors. Of course, as always, our sponsors are me and American Mortgage Company. I know there are tons of people moving to and in Texas, and I know a lot of you do too. So let me help them out. I think most of y'all know I am an independent mortgage loan originator working with American Mortgage Company, which means unlike a local bank or lending institution, I have your best interest at heart because I don't get paid unless we close on your loan and you guys are happy campers um, versus, you know, most banks and lending institutions where the people get paid whether you get a good deal or not. And they really have the bank's best interest at heart. So... You know, why not work with somebody like me who will take a little time to do a little education with you and make sure that you guys are happy with the loan products that you're getting and uh, get you into a home of your own. So there you go. When you work with a mortgage broker, somebody like me, we are faster, cheaper, and easier than going to the bank. So why not work with somebody who's at least a little entertaining, works hard to make that process little better. Someone like me. So again, if you know someone moving to or in Texas, send them over my way. Send them over to themichaelmitchell.com, T-H-E, michaelmitchell.com. Let me help them out. Remember when you work with me, I sell dreams, not mortgages. <laughs> so there you go. All right, let's get into this whole knife-wielding uh, school superintendent. I think I've, <clears throat> I've, I've caught a few folks' interest with that. 
So I want to give a shout out to my friend and uh, fellow Eagle Scout, Sergio Menchaca. Sergio is originally from Junction, Texas, but I met him at a Boy Scout event in Bowie, Texas a few years back um, when he was a principal there for the high school, I think. Um, we hit it off because I had served as a district executive for the Boy Scouts out in West Texas. Um, when I first started with the Boy Scouts way back in 2003 and I covered his hometown of Junction. Um, and so of course he wasn't there, uh, obviously when I was, but you know, we talked about it, knew some of the same people. He remembered where the old scout hut was anyway, <clears throat> just a super cool dude. Our friendship kind of grew, uh, even more when I found out that he was into knife making, you know, using a forge and all that stuff. <clears throat> And so I've had a fascination with blacksmithing and, and working metal going clear back to when I went to uh, Philmont, New Mexico or Philmont Scout Ranch in New Mexico as a youth. And then later on, on staff where I got to play with some of the forges. Um, we used to, uh, I worked at Baldy Town, which is an old ghost town, an old gold mining town. I worked there in 1998, and at night, because we didn't have campers that stayed at our particular camp, we would hike around the mountain, around Baldy Mountain, to another one of the camps on Philmont Scout Ranch called French Henry, which is an old ghost mining camp as well. Uh, they were interpretive, so they had a blacksmith forge and uh, all that, <clears throat> and I loved it. I loved having an old squirrel cage and coal-burning forge. It was just great stuff. Just loved it. So anyway, uh, Sergio and I have uh, kept in touch, you know, some over the years. And, uh, of course, he's moved away and, and doing some other things. Um, but I just found out about this Texas Monthly um, article that they did on him. And I'd like to share a little bit with y'all. Because I just, I think he's a cool dude. So most knives on the market today are made from stainless steel. <clears throat> And the spines of those blades average a quarter inch thick. But Sergio likes to hone his to a just a super fine edge, less than a tenth of an inch. Um, it's a remarkable feat considering that he uses old steel from things like vintage hay rakes and plow disc, railroad springs, saw blades. So he's, he's not the normal. Like, you're not going to buy one of his knives and go, oh... This is one of those pretty kind that you see yourself in. Uh-uh. No, this is like raw, um, well, it's raw steel that he makes into this. So most makers steer clear of reclaimed metal because they don't really know what alloys it's comprised of, like basically what it's made up of. So Sergio tests each piece by heating and forging it to see whether it can be hardened into a thin blade. So, Knives have fascinated Sergio since his childhood in the hill country town of Junction, where he hunted, fished, and learned from his mother to cook dishes, or cook dishes such as fried venison and gravy. His uh, initial forays into knife making using uh, prefabricated bars of high carbon steel um, were simply a way for him to unwind. You know, he's, he's in education, he's been in education for a while. And as most educators do, kind of needed a way to unwind. And so why not, 
knife making, right? And actually, he's not the only educator that I know that does knife making. There's another guy that was actually in the same article, uh, Ben Cabish from Henrietta, Texas, just east of where I live, um, that does knives, but very different types of knives. And so he made it into the same article as a, as a notable knife maker in Texas. <clears throat> so anyway, um, Sergio has a friend named uh, Chris Arguello, I think, of San Antonio's Bayer Metal Creations and taught him how to forge. So Sergio becomes obsessed with making blades from raw metals and using fire to really finesse um, his slicers, chef knives, and Japanese, I believe it's called Nikiri, and Honsuki, and Santoku blades. So they're very different looking blades for what you see around here. Like I follow Sergio on TikTok now. He's always showing his blades and they are very, very different from what you see uh, as far as the norm goes. And so, and I love that because the man's just kind of blazing his own way. So he founded um, Texas Sage Forge in 2015 and began creating pieces for customers such as Pitmaster Mark Scott of the Convenience West Barbecue Joint in Marfa. So I, I just, I love this, that Sergio's an educator. He needs something to kind of do to get his mind off the day, to relax. Why not knife making? And so he creates his own forge. And uh, yeah, so that's that's what he's doing there. So uh, he says, other than the colored epoxy resin some people want mixed into their handles, 100% of the materials I use in the blades and handles are from Texas. So Sergio now lives in Bovina, which is out near the New Mexico border, um, just east of Clovis, New Mexico. And he's the superintendent of schools out there. So he says a lot of chefs source ingredients from local farms and makers so they can tell a story with their food. Why can't we do knives? And so that's what he does. Uh, there was some more stuff in the article. I think somebody had sent him. Oh, gosh, I don't remember if it was a plow disc or, or some sort of metal something um, that their grandfather had used. <clears throat> And Sergio took whatever it was um, and basically forged it into a knife. And, and so really it turns into kind of an heirloom piece. And so he's taking something, uh, some sort of tool, some sort of something from, you know, a family member, presumably that's since passed, and he's turning it into something useful for today. Not just wall art, but something useful. And I just think that is... So, so cool. Uh, and same thing like this uh, Ben Cabish that I was talking about in Henrietta. He did the same thing. Uh, my parents and, and I, uh, our family, raises buffalo, bison, out in Henrietta. And Ben uh, did a really cool carbon steel blade for me and then used bone from one of our big bulls that passed away. His name was Baby. Uh, used bone from that to make the handle. And so it's it's a little something special for me. Uh, and I think he did the same thing for my father. Um, just a little something special, a little something different. You know, baby, the bull meant a lot to us. Um, he was a cool Buffalo as far as Buffaloes go. 
And so he did that. And so it's just, it's cool stuff. So how about that? A knife-wielding, small-town school ISD superintendent. <laughs> that is just too cool. You know, check him out. Seriously, get on and check him out on TikTok, Facebook, under Texas Sage Forge. And that's Texas, of course, Sage, S-A-G-E, and then Forge, F-O-R-G-E. He is on Facebook and TikTok. He does these great inspirational TikToks. It's just him in his shop. He's always got like a welding cap on. And he'll start his video and he'll just like turn, look at the camera and pull his hat off. And he'll go, well, guys, or something along those lines. And then he just imparts this wisdom. Such a cool guy. Um, really glad to know this fellow Eagle Scout and, uh, and a man making a difference, not only in education, but also in uh, knife making here in Texas. So I guess, dang it, much to my wife's chagrin, I guess I'm just going to have to order a knife from, uh, from Sergio. <laughs> and I'm disgusted that I, I never got the opportunity. I just never could find the time to go out and spend a little time with him in his forge when he was in Bowie just an hour away. Now I'd have to drive all the way out to Bovina, um, which I don't know, it was like four days away or something like that. It's a long way out there. <laughs> so I'm like, gosh sakes. But that's all right. Sergio, if you listen to this, man, congratulations for making it into Texas Monthly. That is a big, big deal. Congratulations on being the soup out there in Bovina. And uh, sure miss having you around here, man. But our paths will cross again someday. All right. So the story of the nuclear bomb, or the nuclear explosion, sorry, not the bomb. The nuclear explosion comes from my buddy Michael Kurtz. Now, Michael Kurtz, I know, through the Thomas Fowler American Legion Post 169 right here in Wichita Falls. Um, I think most of y'all out there probably know what the American Legion does. And, uh, <clears throat> man, the folks that are involved here with 169 are just nothing short of spectacular. Um, just all the way around, fantastic people. They are, if they're not the largest post, um, they're dang close to it. But great group of people really supporting veterans and doing what they're supposed to do um, as an American Legion. So Michael is an Air Force veteran. Um, he is a former commander of the American Legion post, and he's a current liaison to our Scouts BSA Troop 2, which is chartered to that American Legion post. That's how I got to know him. So a lot of folks out there think that I'm a veteran, uh, and I'm not. Um, I just never, uh, just never served. Had the opportunity and uh, decided to do something a little different. Um, but I was a Boy Scout, so which I always joke with the guys out there at the American Legion, what's the difference between the military and the Boy Scouts? And it's that the Boy Scouts have adult leadership, <laughs> which they laugh at because they know the military. So anyway, uh, Michael and his wife, Tasha, uh, who's also a veteran, are just two of the coolest people you'll ever meet. Tasha's the current commander for the uh, American Legion. And they're just, like I said, two of the coolest people you'll ever meet. And I'm glad to call them my friends. Uh, anyway, Michael was listening to my podcast uh, a week or two ago. And he sent me this message saying, hey, something for your podcast. Did you know about the nuclear explosion in San Antonio? You should check it out. And then he sent me a link to a Texas Monthly article. And I'm like, no way. And so I had to do a little more research. So Michael... 
Here's a big once upon a time in Texas. Thank you for this awesome suggestion and some interesting reading. And as always, folks, just like Michael did, send me a message. Text me, get on Once Upon a Time in Texas, message me through Facebook, TikTok, whatever. If you guys have cool things like this, shoot them to me. Because it's a little bit of a struggle every week finding some things to talk about. And I just don't want to do boring old crap. I want to read about interesting stuff like nuclear explosions in San Antonio. So here we go. Let's jump into this one. So to set the stage, you got to take yourselves all the way back to October 1963. It's a time when tensions surrounding the Cold War were really running high. And Lackland Air Force Base, located in San Antonio, Texas, served as an essential training ground for the United States Air Force and still does today. However, in October of that year would be would forever alter its legacy. So during that fateful month, an unexpected and catastrophic incident unfolded. Ooh. Lackland Air Force Base was functioning as usual when a nuclear explosion occurred, sending shockwaves throughout the entire facility, which Lackland is a big place. The force of the blast devastated a significant portion of the base and caused substantial damage to nearby communities. So the details of this incident, shrouded in secrecy for so long, of course, have finally started to emerge in recent years. So it appears that a routine training exercise involving a Mark 7 nuclear bomb went terribly wrong. And so, really, it was some guys that were loading it into an igloo. Um, they called them igloos out there for storage. And they were loading it into the, the igloo. I guess they were moving some of these nuclear warheads around. And... Um, I, I guess they, they went into one of these igloos from, from what I can understand and there was a fire or something somehow they, the, the guys that the eyewitnesses in the Texas monthly report said they heard a crack and then they start seeing smoke and flames. And one guy said, they didn't have to tell me. I just hauled ass. <laughs> it started running the other direction. It's great. I love that. You know, I saw guys running towards me. I knew it was bad. So I left. Hauled ass. <laughs> and so <clears throat> it just cracked me up the way you said it. It's in the, uh, in the Texas Monthly article. <clears throat> and so anyway, the guys kind of get away. But I-, I guess it finally gets to the, the nuclear warheads. And this explosion is is really immense, releasing a massive burst of energy, um, equivalent to like thirteen thousand tons of TNT or something like that. Um, well, this says one hundred thirty thousand tons. I might have fat fingered that. Anyway, a bunch of TNT, so it's nearly three times more than the atomic bomb that was dropped on Hiroshima. So astonishingly. The detonation did not cause a nuclear reaction or a big mushroom cloud typically associated with atomic blast because a lot of it was contained by this igloo structure that, you know, that they had to kind of protect this stuff. And um, I guess the detonators and stuff to create 
the nuclear explosion, um, the, the nuclear reaction weren't in them while the materials still exploded, which is still not good. Um, but it didn't detonate quite like a nuclear bomb is intended to. So nonetheless, so the destructive power of this accident just is hard to imagine. It just blew a bunch of stuff away. Officially, only four fatalities were acknowledged. Um, which is good, I guess. I mean, I hate that someone died, but... However, there have always been whispers of a cover-up and suggest really a higher human cost. Reports from local residents at the time tell of a mysterious illness, increased cancer rates, even a few missing persons. Yet the full truth about this remains elusive. Uh, in the aftermath of the explosion, a considerable cleanup effort was launched. But despite its best intentions, of course, it's believed that some radioactive materials uh, were not fully remediated potentially impacting the environment and the health of surrounding areas. Huh. So why not cover it up, right? While details are scarce, uh, it's now known that the nuclear explosion at Lackland Air Force Base prompted a huge series of investigations and policy changes about the storing of these warheads. Um, the incidents forced the military to review its safety protocols ultimately leading to stricter regulations in handling and transporting nuclear weapons. Duh. Probably a good idea. Um, however, the incident also kind of revealed a, a concerning lack of transparency and accountability. Um, documents that could shed light on the events leading up to the explosion have remained classified, even to this day. Um, and the secrecy has fueled all kinds of conspiracy theories and speculation leaving a lot of folks to really kind of demand answers. So, it is essential to remember that this nuclear explosion at Lackland Air Force Base occurred during a time when the United States and the Soviet Union were embroiled in the intense Cold War, which was pretty rough. The incident revealed that even the most powerful nations can be vulnerable to unimaginable accidents raising questions about the overall safety of nuclear weapons across the globe. So, as I said before, Texas Monthly did do an interesting article uh, about this. And it was just, it was fascinating. It was a great read. I'm going to look up what that was called. Um, give me just a moment here, because Michael sent it to me. And, Pooh, where is it? Oh. The article was called, Remember That Time a Nuclear Weapons Bunker Blew Up in San Antonio? That's pretty straightforward. <laughs> so yeah, get on and check it out. If y'all don't have a subscription to Texas Monthly, it's a, <clears throat> it's a great, um, not newspaper, oh my gosh, magazine. Just do a brain fart. Yeah, so get on and check out Texas Monthly. Mom gets it every single month. She brings me stuff and says, oh, you need to get on page, you know, whatever, 130. Read this. And I do. I read a lot of those. And uh, I've got four or five issues here full of stuff that I'm going to be passing on to y'all at some point. So there you go. Once upon a time in Texas, there was a young man who got interested in knives, went into education, but kept his passion alive through hobby, 
and also a mysterious nuclear explosion in San Antonio. Hmm. So what do y'all think? What other kind of weird or off-the-wall stuff have you heard about here in Texas? Help me out here. I need material, and I love sharing this stuff with y'all. Of course, I want to thank our sponsors again, me and American Mortgage Company. Keep in mind, if you know someone moving to or in Texas, send them my way. Send them over to themichaelmitchell.com, T-H-E, michaelmitchell.com. And remember, I sell dreams, not mortgages. I love making people laugh and smile and, uh, and help people get into homes of their own. I absolutely love that. So thank you all for tuning in to Once Upon a Time in Texas. As always, remember the stars at night are big and bright, deep in the heart of Texas. Y'all have a great week.